Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. In this episode of the Amicable Divorce Expert podcast, I want to share with you some lessons I learned in divorce mediation this week. There were four things that I learned, and I think each one of them has an extremely valuable lesson to many of you listening. Here are the four lessons I learned. The first lesson I learned is, what do you do when you've married the wrong person, when you've knowingly married the wrong person? Do you know how many people do that? They knowingly marry the wrong person. They either know they're not totally in love with that person, but that person brings things into their lives, generally economic, and that's why they marry them. Or it's, golly, we've been together a while. One person advances, why don't we get married? The other person says, okay, well, we've been together a while. I guess we should get married. No, no. You should only get married once you talk about the kind of life you want to have together, what you want to build together, and your stomach has to feel right. I cannot tell you the number of people, women especially, that I have sat in a mediation room with. It, it Sometimes it goes okay, sometimes it doesn't, but we're really not getting to settlement decisions. That's the big deal. We're, we're, we're dividing assets and debts. We're talking about the kids, but nobody's really wanting to sign off on the decisions. I remember one woman a few years ago was very emotional in the mediation and their, their divorce was going on for several years. I'd seen them in the first year we tried to mediate, nothing turned out. I thought they hired attorneys and got divorced. And then several years after that, I get a call, Judy, we need to mediate again. I'm like, you're not divorced yet? Okay. And we come into the mediation and she is more emotional than I remember her several years ago. And she wants to be validated. So she brought in all these receipts from the groceries she bought, the kids' clothes she bought, things she did as a homemaker. She wanted validated. Now, I didn't know this. I said, you know, these receipts, I can't do anything with them. They're not part of child support or spousal support. Why are you bringing all these receipts? And she laid them like a pile of them on the mediation table. And she said, I need validation. I need him to say, I was a vital part of the marriage. Okay, that was interesting. I understood that. Well, we didn't get anywhere. She was suspicious of him. And I, I just, in my gut, I knew he was lying. I, nothing made sense that was coming out of his mouth. I haven't seen them since this mediation, and that was several years ago. But here's the point I want to make. He leaves the mediation room first. Men always leave the mediation room first. They really do. They just want to bolt. And the women want to stay and talk. So I learn a lot. You know, I'm generally silent. I generally don't say much. I just listen because I know I'm going to receive a valuable lesson. And in this particular situation, here's the lesson I learned. She said to me, Oh, I knew before we got married, I shouldn't have married him. I knew in my gut, I knew in my heart. 
but he looked like he made money more than anybody else I was dating. And so I married him. And it was a horrible relationship. Of course, they went on to have a million kids. Everybody goes on to have kids. These people had about four. That's a lot of kids in this day and age. Anyway, point being, she knew she shouldn't have married him. And she wasn't going to say it. She was going to fight for what was right. Well, you know what? You don't have to fight. There's the laws of the state. Hire an attorney. They'll sort it out. Go to trial. Get it over with. If you can't mediate, just get it over with. Pull the Band-Aid off. Let a judge make a decision. Get it done. I really feel that way. After 11 years in divorce mediation, um, I love mediation. I love creative problem solving. I'm always there to help you. But at a certain point, if it's not working after a few years, just go to trial, get it over with. But here's my greater point. If you will admit in the divorce mediation that you don't feel they sh- you two should have gotten married, you will finally speak for the first time in your life from a point of authenticity and truth and let the divorce do that for you. Finally speak from a position of authenticity and truth. It will change everything. Doesn't mean you don't have to go by the laws of the state. Okay, so we made a mistake, but you know, go by the laws of the state. The whole tone of the divorce will be different and you will learn more. If you're the one that married incorrectly, you knew you shouldn't have gotten married and you're harboring this, say it, just say it. And all of a sudden, everything will change. You will unburden yourself because if you keep this a secret, you're not able to free yourself to the point of being able to negotiate what is the right settlement for both of you. Especially if you have children, you still have to be in their lives. And so I say, use this as a point of reckoning. It'll just lift the weight of the world off your shoulders. And then another couple who were together a while, money on her side. He wasn't poor, but a lot more money on her side. Therefore, a lot more perks coming to the couple and coming to him uh, in the dating process. And of course, it was going to continue and it did throughout the marriage. Two kids later, she finds out He's had an affair the entire time of the marriage, 30 years, with the same person who was also married for 30 years. Yeah. And at a point, I was told, I knew I shouldn't have married him. I just did it because we had been together, we we had invested in dating, and it just seemed like the right thing to do. But it wasn't. I don't... I don't believe she's said it yet. And I think saying it would really help her find her voice because in the mediation, I gave a few opportunities for her to have a voice in the negotiation. She wasn't taking it. She was keeping calm. Her whole goal was to be civil and calm, but she wasn't really getting to the heart of the matter, to the truth of the issue. And I think you have to do that. So that's what I want to say about the many people, all of you who know you shouldn't have married your spouse, say it. Just say, look, 
I know we have to unravel this divorce. I know we have to make a settlement. I think we both knew we shouldn't have married each other. And now we have these two kids. What do we tell them? I don't know. I actually don't know what to say on this point. Do you tell the kids we made the wrong decision, but look, we had you? I know another couple that did that. Kids were devastated. What do you mean you never should have gotten married and now you have us? And and, and they said, <clears throat> the message was, sorry, I think we ruined your lives because we never should have gotten married. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe that's not the right thing to say to your kids. Really? No, I don't think that's the right thing to say to your kids. In fact, do the kids really need to know? I mean, I've had this conversation recently. Well, what do you really think the kids should know? I mean, I do ask. Their decision, not mine. Do the kids really need to know what went on in the marriage? Do the kids really need to know that maybe you shouldn't have gotten married? I don't think so. I think that would pull the rug out from under the kids. I think they at least need to think they came from love. They came from commitment. They came from, you know, a desire to build a family. I mean, this family looked really good on the outside for 30 years. And now the kids are like struggling. What the heck happened? This is a tough one. So I'm not giving advice on this. I'm saying maybe a therapist needs to weigh in on this or several. But my point in this is if you married incorrectly and you knew it wasn't the right thing to do, set the record straight, use divorce to set the record straight and to get that burden off your shoulders. It'll make a giant difference in the negotiation. It'll make a giant difference after the divorce is final. You will finally speak with your authentic voice. And that's so extremely important. All right, number two, there are three divorces. There's the emotional divorce, the legal divorce, and the social divorce. So I was meeting with colleagues this month, as I do once a month with a group of colleagues. And they're all divorce professionals. Excuse me. In this group, we have very knowledgeable, wonderful people. And... um I was explaining something. I was explaining. So yes, there are three divorces. And I learned this from my colleagues, these learned, wonderful people. I was explaining that I just got a TEDx gig coming up in October. And I want to talk about what I have been talking about on this podcast for quite a while. And what I've been talking on this about on this podcast is there are two divorces. There's the emotional divorce. And then there's the legal divorce. The emotional divorce is the grief that you go through in the uncoupling phase. When the person who advances the discussion to get divorced eventually says it, they've gone through some emotion already. They've gone through the grieving process already, and then they're able to bring this to you. The one who hears it and is asked for the divorce has to go through their own grieving process. There's a lot of shock. There's a lot of bargaining, anger, denial. But both people have to go through the grieving process. Because even if it's the best thing to do, you're grieving the loss of a decision you made. You're grieving the loss of the input you put into the relationship. You're grieving the loss of the future. It's really important to grieve. 
You cannot make sound legal decisions with a bleeding heart. It doesn't work. If you don't go through the grieving process first, you just jump into the legal process. It'll take longer. You'll spend more money. You may get ill. The stress on you is unbelievable. And that's all because you didn't take time to grieve. You may lose your job. I mean, people find it hard to go to work uh, if they haven't grieved and they're going through the legal process and they're grieving at the same time. And think about the relationship with your kids. It won't be the best it can be. There could be some parental alienation going on. So, okay, so go through the emotional divorce before you file for the legal divorce. That sounds really great. But one of my colleagues said, Judy, there's a third divorce. And I said, pray tell, what is that? And she said, there's the social divorce. You're right. There is the social divorce. It's the uncoupling of you and some of your friends. So who do you lose in your social circle when you go to get divorced? Well, you lose other couples. So when you're married, you may still have some single friends, but you have friends who are couples. Now, when you get divorced, when they know you're getting divorced, all of a sudden they become uncomfortable. They feel they should pick sides or they avoid you completely. They don't want to be involved. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want to be engaged to have an opinion. And so they just ghost you. But what's really hard is when you have couple friends that are parents of your children. Your kids don't want to get divorced from their friends. They still want to go to their friends' houses and, you know, their friends come to your house. That's a tough one. Your your kids may potentially lose friends if your if their parents are reluctant or uh, concerned about talking to you. I did a podcast interview or two on this a couple of years ago with a woman who went through a social divorce. She wasn't ready for it. Nobody's ready for it. She wasn't ready for it. She thought a really good friend of hers would always be her friend. Uh Uh-uh, that was the first person to go. I don't want to be involved. I don't want to be involved. Please don't tell me anything. Don't want to know. Do not unload your divorce on other people. You, You want to lose people? Don't unload your divorce on other people. Just say, look, what's going on with us is going on with us. I do not want to um, make you feel uncomfortable. I don't want you to feel like you have to choose sides. Therefore, I am not going to tell you what's going on. Just please just stand by. Just be there. Let's continue on the best way we can. If our kids are friends, let's let them play together. If you feel uncomfortable being around me, I totally understand. Give them the space to do what they feel they need to do. Yeah, there's the social divorce. In fact, my colleague who explained, you know, said, reminded me about this and explained when she got one of her divorces, everybody ghosted her. On her block in the neighborhood, everybody was friends. Nobody talked to her anymore. They literally shut the door in her face. Nobody talked to her. Horrible, isn't it? Yeah, there's the social divorce. So just get ready for it. You know, you're going to be single. You're going to get some single friends together, really and truly. And and as a single person, you may not get invited to other people's houses that are couples because now the woman may be um, 
sensitive to you coming on to her husband. It happens. People conjure. People have fear. And that may be why you don't get invited back to a couple's house that you used to go to with your husband. I, you know, it's interesting with women versus men in, in, in the social thing. It really is. Um, I've noticed that men t- tend to keep their friends intact and women have to find different social circles. So just get ready for it. But that's, that's a third divorce. I thought that was interesting that that was brought up. Okay. Number three, don't try and win your mediator over by bashing your spouse. I hate that as a mediator. I feel compromised. I feel set up. And I don't, I don't know what the intentions are when I'm filing for a couple and they, and, and we all know they're going to have to mediate certain things. And one of the two people wants to unload on me what's going on and the bad things their spouse is doing. It is the most uncomfortable position for a mediator to be in, even in advance of the mediation. So what I've started to do with people over the past couple of years is don't tell me. I, I really try and say, look, let's save this for a mediation. I know it's bothering you, but I need to maintain my neutrality. I say that all the time. I need you to trust me that I'm going to remain neutral and t- and asking you to not bash your spouse in front of me or give me situations um, that are in need of attention before we've scheduled a mediation um, that you are putting me in a compromising situation. But what I've done for you, what I've done for people is once we decide to schedule a mediation, part of the protocol is to give each person a half an hour or an hour alone. Yes, I do charge for it, but just unload, say whatever you want to say. I won't stop you. I will take notes. So noted, but it's, an equal time I give with both people to unload. Now that's being neutral and that's the way I think it should be done. But your mediator, a good mediator will not think well of you. If you want to start bashing and unloading about your spouse just to um, have your mediator tell you what to do or agree with you, your spouse is horrible. If your mediator does that, you've got a bad mediator. Get away from that mediator because it's going to blow up in your face. In fact, when you get in the mediation, if you have a mediator that kind of goes along with you, oh yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. Oh God, I can't believe they did that. Believe me, your spouse is going to blow up in the mediation. Your spouse is going to see that and you're going to have to find a new mediator and you may end up with attorneys unnecessarily. Do not do that. And it makes you look bad. It really makes you look bad. It makes you look conniving. It makes you look like you're trying to get an advantage with the mediator. You want your mediator to be neutral. And you want to present yourself in the best way possible. You want to be professional, polished, sophisticated. 
I mean, I'm asking a lot of people who are in emotional pain, but I'm telling you, the worst thing you can do is try and engage your mediator separately in advance of the mediation and just bash your husband. I won't go for it. You really will never win if that's the way you want to do it. So do it right. Just say, look, um, there are things going on that I think need our attention. This is a much better way to talk about it. I think there are things going on right now that need attention. So even though we've just begun the filing, um, even though we haven't done disclosures, because you'll find this out, I, I, this comes out immediately in the beginning. You'll see if somebody wants to line, uh, you, you'll, I will see if somebody wants to line up against their spouse with me and engage me to be on their side. I will see that at the very beginning. And I'm so uncomfortable. You know, there are times when I've said, look, I don't want to be engaged like this. Maybe you should find another mediator. Sometimes there's, there was a time when I said, I think you need another mediator. I think you need a mediator that you're not comfortable engaging like this. I rarely do that, but, but I had to do it once. But you should say to your mediator, I'd like to mediate sooner rather than later. Um, we haven't done our disclosures yet, but there's some issues that I think we need to talk about like right now. That's how you should present it. And then ask your mediator, can we have private time with you before we get in the room together? That would be a really good thing to do. And I think a good mediator will do that, of course. You know, they're, again, they're going to charge you for it, but who cares? You, if you really need that space to just unload and your mediator hasn't offered it, just say, can we each meet with you separately before we sit in the room together? Um, I would like the time to just talk without anybody listening to me, but you. And, uh, and then I would like my spouse to have an equal amount of time with you. That is a smart way to mediate. And now you've done well for yourself. You presented yourself as the person who wants things as balanced as possible. You haven't tried to win favors from the mediator. And I think you'll really help yourself if you approach mediation like that. All right, lastly, do not force settlement terms on your spouse. This will make your spouse not trust you and trust is at stake here. Okay, so what do I mean by that? What I mean is there are, there are male-dominated marriages. And in these male-dominated marriages, this is what I've seen. 11 years, this is what I've seen. In a male-dominated marriage, the man will go to the wife before the filing has started, before any formal legal steps have been taken and say, here's, a media, here's an agreement. I think this is great. Read it. Let's sign off on it. Now, maybe it is great. Maybe it was very thoughtful. But that's not the right way to deal with your spouse, especially if you know you've dominated the marriage. Now, this is going to be tough. There are cultures that are just male-dominated cultures still to this day. This is just the way we've done it. And so this is going to be an education process because 
in this day and age, in our society, when you go to get divorced, it's not a male-dominated situation. It's supposed to be an equal division of everything situation. So if you're in a male-dominated relationship, I'm talking to the men, you know when it's male-dominated. I'm talking to the women, you absolutely know when it's male-dominated. When you're in a male-dominated marriage and the man comes with a proposal for a settlement, it's just more male domination. And once a divorce is discussed, once a legal process is engaged in, believe me, there's no more dominance. There's the laws of the state that kick in. So don't be surprised when the woman runs screaming from you. Don't be surprised when the woman is more distrusting than ever. And I generally find that these agreements are without legal counsel. When I read these agreements, Judy, I already have this agreement. This is what I would like to have done. Okay, well, does your spouse want this done? Oh, I'm sure she will. Or no, I don't want this done. Yes, he gave me this agreement and he wants me to sign off on it, but no. When I read it, it's like, oh my God, I wouldn't sign off on this. This is a crazy agreement. You're married 20 years and you only want to pay spousal support for five or six years. Are you out of your mind? No, not in California. You're not going to get away with it. Um, What else do I say? That's like the first thing that's crazy. Or uh, uh, the co-parenting schedule. Um an equal division of time when you've never spent time with the kids or that much time with the kids. You know, what woman is going to trust that this is going to be okay? But it's generally, uh, when it's a male-dominated relationship, generally the wife has no idea about the finances. Generally the wife is in the dark about the finances. And this is what everybody knows is going to be at stake in the divorce or the finances. So you bring a settlement agreement to your wife that talks about money and she has no idea what you have and you want her to sign off on it. That's crazy stuff. Nobody should do that. And virtually nobody does. Finally, a woman finds her voice in a male-dominated relationship where they have been dominated financially All of a sudden they find their voice and their voice is over the top. You have to hogtie them to come to a meeting. You have to hogtie them to get served with a petition. And now you have to talk about settlement terms. They are nowhere to be found. But you know who is around to be found? The attorneys. And you're going to spend a lot more money on this settlement than you ever envisioned. If you want to present your wife with a settlement, I can't believe she's not signing off on this. I mean, come on, what's wrong with it? Everything. First of all, just the fact that you would present settlement terms without anybody getting any legal advice. You have not, generally, the man has not said, honey, I think we should get legal advice. Let's find some good attorneys. We'll each sit down and talk to them so that we each understand the laws of the state. Maybe they're not the laws of your religion. Maybe they're not the laws of your culture. But that doesn't matter. The laws of the state matter. That's all that matters are the laws of the state. And if you're not saying, if you're not finally understanding that in a divorce, 
you're going to have to abide the laws of the state. You're not living in a, in a, in a reality that's going to work out for you. You're living in a false reality. The laws of the state are going to preside, at least to get the divorce done. Now, whether people adhere to the laws of the state after the divorce done, it's a whole different conversation, which I am going to do another podcast interview on. What do you do when your spouse doesn't abide the, the settlement agreement? But for the, the purposes of this, I want to talk about <clears throat> the worst thing you can do is try and shove a settlement agreement down the throat of your spouse. And that's exactly what it feels like. You have to take a step back. For the first time in your life, men, you have to take a step back. And you actually have to talk about settlement terms. And let her have a voice and let her go to an attorney. And you go to an attorney too. You need to know how on or off the mark you were about what you just wrote that you thought was a great settlement. You have to. And if you present to her that you want her to go to an attorney and talk and really find out what her legal rights are, that is the first best step you can take. You will start showing her that maybe it didn't work out that there was, there were equal voices in the marriage, but it will work out in the divorce that you want to do the divorce differently. And this is an education for you too. You know, you have to understand that, you know, maybe it was a male dominated marriage, but it, it is not going to be a male dominated divorce and it'll be okay. It really will be okay. You know, the only people we really have power and control over are ourselves in a lasting way. We're never going to have power and control over somebody else forever. Well, let me give you one little caveat of an example. There are cultures that are male dominated. They're either religious cultures or, um, uh, nationality-driven um, cultures. And when the woman finds her voice in the relationship, the marriage crumbles. I've seen it happen all too often. When a woman finally finds her voice and starts speaking up, it changes the whole dynamic of the marriage. And the marriage is not going to survive because of that. Because it can't. Unless the man is ready to say, okay, I'm willing to change. I'm willing to change my outlook on life. I'm willing to be different than our religion has taught us, than our culture has taught us. I think that's too hard. I really do think that's too hard. So that's another way, uh, that's another situation that I see erupting into a very volatile, very acrimonious situation is when the woman finds her voice in a male-dominated relationship. First of all, it's off the charts voice. It's screaming, it's yelling, it's it, it, it's, it, it, it goes in the opposite direction. So you, so the woman has been so suppressed for so long that when she finds her voice, it explodes. If that's your case, women, right now, bring it down and talk in a soothing way. Talk, just talk in a calm way. 
and just talk with your authentic voice and say, I know this is the way our relationship has been for all the years we've been married, but I don't want it to be this way anymore. I didn't really feel good that it was this way. And I need to feel good. I need to end my life feeling better. And so we either need to change, we need to change the dynamic in our relationship, or we need to get divorced and see where that takes you. But you can't continue yelling and screaming. It will never, ever work. You will spend way too much money getting divorced on attorneys. And you will spend way too much stress. Your health is at risk. And who knows how your children are going to react. So if you are the woman in this relationship that has finally found your voice, it's a big deal. But make it the best deal. Do it the right way. Don't blame him. It is what it is. This is the culture. This is the religion. This is the what you signed into. You know, just say, okay, fine. I just want it to change. And it will change. So those are my four points. Let me recap, if I may. If you knowingly married the wrong person, admitted in the divorce and correct the record, use the divorce for that end. And number two, there are three divorces, the emotional, legal, and social divorce. Get ready for social. Number three, don't try to win your mediator over by bashing your spouse. It will never work. You'll make yourself look bad. And you'll compromise the neutrality of your mediator. And number four, do not force settlement terms on your spouse. This will make your spouse not trust you and trust is at stake here. All right. So I th- I hope this has helped you. It was a big week for me. Um, I really learned a lot. So sharing it with all of you, I uh, want you always to comment. So please share any reaction you have to this with me. Um, Give me other topics, share this with your friends, subscribe. But as always, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves, be kind to your spouse, and cherish your children above all else.